Good morning, LCM. Today is Sunday, December 23rd, 2018. Today is the sixth in our series that is centered around the nation of Israel. We learned the vital importance of shimming the foundation. We learned to fine-tune the faith of Abraham. We set our hearts ablaze with Israeli fire. We learned from our natural bloodline, older brother, how to deal with the spirit of Beth Shean. Last week, we were challenged to never negotiate the revelations that we found at Caesarea Philippi. This week, we're going to be the sixth in the series. Next week, we're actually going to finish out the year, surprisingly enough, on the seventh in the series. But for today, turn with me to Numbers chapter 20. Say there when you are there in Numbers chapter 20. Getting there. Everybody turn to Tom real quick and tell him he looks handsome without facial hair. <laughs> Martha, do you like that? (laughs) Martha's smiling today. So there's a woman or two in the world that doesn't love beards, but we know the rest of you do. (laughs) Numbers chapter 20, let's start in verse 1. In the first month, the whole Israelite community arrived at the desert of Zin, and they stayed at Kadesh. There Miriam died and was buried. Now there was no water for the community. Not surprisingly, because they're actually in a desert. And the people gathered in opposition to Moses and Aaron. They quarreled with Moses. Everybody say quarreled. Quarreled. With Moses and said, if only we had died with our, when our brothers fell dead before the Lord. Now, some of you in here may appreciate this. The idea that they quarreled before the Lord, or they quarreled with more, Moses rather, is the idea that they litigated something against Moses. Now, I know none of us have ever quarreled. It's one thing to fight with each other. It's another thing to have a laundry list in a litigious kind of way to tear down the person that you're speaking to. Now, I know none of you have ever done that, right? No husband, no wife has ever gotten to the fact that we can call out every sin from the past 20 years with photographic-like memory on what they've done and exactly what they said and how they were standing. I mean, we've never... Okay, maybe we have. Jen, would you like to comment on that in any way? (laughs) Okay. That was yes? Yes. They litigated with Moses. They quarreled with him. They said, if only we had died when our brothers fell dead before the Lord. So here's the scene that we're having. They're in a desert, an actual physical desert. Moses' sister, Miriam, has died and was buried. That's how this chapter starts off, is trying to paint a picture for us this morning. Let's pretend like we haven't all read this many, many times. Let's engage with what the word of the Lord is saying. So they're in a physical desert. They're in a relationship kind of desert where Moses' sister has died and been buried. They're in a spiritual desert where they're coming against and people are litigating against Moses, the savior of the nation. And listen to what they're doing in this spiritual litigation. If only we had died when our brothers fell dead before the Lord. Now, are you, are you remembering that just a few chapters before this in Numbers that it was Korah's rebellion? Do you remember that Korah's rebellion is now what they're referring to? And not only did Korah and his followers die, but there was a plague that came on the people. They're saying it would have been better that we died like the rebellious people in a plague before God than we'd be out here and have no water. Who, if you want to. <laughs> Verse four, why did you bring the Lord's community into this desert? Um, that's what a, what a silly question. They were liberated from the bondage of Egypt. 
by their own disobedience, they were assigned to be in the desert for 40 years. But Moses, this is all your fault. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, it's all your fault. Why did you bring the Lord's community out into the desert that we and our livestock should die here? Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to this terrible place? It has no grain or figs, grapevines or pomegranates. And by the way, there's no water to drink. Wow. The grumbling of people's hearts. As we set this background, we are literally in a desert. We're physically in a desert. They're in a desert in their relationships. They're in a desert in their spiritual opposition. They are coming against the man of the Lord. But remember, as we begin to lay groundwork for what the Lord has given us to give you today, that Israel is in fact in a relationship with the Lord. Come on, say that Israel's in a relationship. Israel's in a relationship. Let's look at this further in verse 6 of chapter 20. Moses and Aaron went from the assembly to the entrance to the tent of meeting and fell face down. You know, it's a good thing whenever your leaders begin to recognize the need of the people and they fall on their face before the living God. And the glory of the Lord appeared to them. The Lord said to Moses, take the staff and you and your brother Aaron gather the assembly together. Speak. Everybody say speak. Speak to that rock before their eyes and it will pour out its water. Say water. water. You will bring water out of the rock for the community so they and their livestock can drink. Now as we begin to read this verse, I see a very central idea. The Lord was meeting the need of the people, using the words of their leaders to break out of death and pour into life. Do you need living water from the rock this morning? That living water was poured out to quench the thirst of spirits and simultaneously to quench or the quarreling of their flesh. You know, Isaiah 58, 11 speaks of the byproduct of true fasting. One of the aspects is it satisfies our needs in a sun scorched land. You know, there are times whenever we're being diligent to follow after the Lord and there, it is a dry place in our spirits. Our leaders, us pastors will fall on our face because we see the effects it's having on your soul. We will cry out to God, look for his glory to come down and begin to water you in that sun scorched land. Another byproduct is that he will make you into a spring whose waters will never fail. Our hope is that that same living water that is coming down from heaven then reside within you. But it all starts with the congregation of leaders. Don't mistake me. I'm talking about you, husbands. Come on, husbands, raise your hands. I'm talking about you. Fathers, raise your hands. I'm talking about you. Mothers, come on, ladies, I want to see your hands going up. There you go. And disciples, raise your hand if you're a disciple. That's everybody in between. Now, if your hands haven't gone up yet in this service, free yourself from those Baptist chains and embrace charismatic Pentecostalism. (laughs) What's wrong with you? Everybody in here is a mother, a father, a husband, a wife, or a disciple. And if you're not a disciple, well, near the end of the service, we'll show you how to get there. This is a congregation of leaders. You're all supposed to be leading something. We're supposed to lead people to righteousness. If you were one of those that raised your hand, and even if you didn't, the God of all heaven, he is ready. 
He is ready to water your soul and also those around you. But guess what? He's commanded you as a leader to speak to that rock. You know what this looks like? It looks like interceding for those within the community. That no one in the kingdom of God is exempt from the responsibility to intercede for the need of others. And to bring out water from that rock that will give life to those that are near death. Oh man, how many of you could use life-giving water from heaven? Oh man, it's going to require us to do something. You have to speak. See, this is not the first time they've encountered this rock in the desert. 1 Corinthians 10.4 tells us, and you stay right where you're at, but it tells us that this rock accompanied them in the desert, that it gave them a spiritual drink. That's because they've had more than one interaction with this rock and life-giving water. The very first time they come to it, they come out of Egypt and they're in the desert and all of the people are thirsty and they begin to grumble. And the Lord tells Moses... Take the staff in your hand and go and strike that rock. And water came out of it. It's such an interesting thing. Because the rock in that sense becomes kind of, kind of a gateway for a hidden reservoir of water. It was there all of the time. And the people couldn't see it. And it would take somebody striking the rock for the gateway to be torn open and life-giving water to come to the people. Paul said that rock is Christ. And of course he was stricken so that something could come to you. Now, this becomes very interesting. Because almost 40 years later, they're back at the same source. The same place that had given them water before. And the Lord specifically says, speak to that rock. He was crucified once to put us in relationship with Him, to break open a way. But every other time, we ask Him for what we need. He's not going to be stricken again. The work has already been done. We have to learn to ask heaven for what we need on earth. We're in relationship with the King. He desires to fill you from heaven. Water has been breaking through for millennia. But it always comes to those who hunger for that breakthrough. So many times in the scripture, this reservoir, this gateway, it's not seen to the natural eye. Hagar is in a desert and she and Ishmael are about to die. And there's a spring there the entire time, but the Lord has to open her eyes to the spring. So many times the Lord has to open your natural eye because there is something there for you to drink Spiritually, man, I was in church for decades before I ever came into contact with the living flow from God. I was surrounded by religious speech. I had even learned to parrot it and imitate it myself. But I had never actually walked through that crevice in the rock and seen, seen the reservoir open up. Oh, we don't want you to sit here this morning. Surrounded by Christmas speech and pretty holiday wear. And miss out on the very thing that is the cure for your desert. Life-saving water has always been available to Israel. And those who are in relationship with Israel's God. We're worshiping the God of the Jews. And what He did for them, He will do for us. 
You just have to speak. Somebody say, I'm going to ask. You're going to have to ask out loud for you have to ask the rock that is Christ for the water that you need. No more striking the rock. No more beating your head against the rock. You got to ask him. Somebody say, I'm going to ask him. Are you longing for a breakthrough in the house of God today? Anybody want to come in out of the desert? Out of the desert emotionally. Out of the desert spiritually. Out of the desert in your relationship we got to have a breakthrough today. Come on, let's take another look at this breakthrough idea in 2 Samuel chapter 23. Woo. That was good, Pastor. I'm going to just say it. That was good. I want a breakthrough, Pastor. Uh, me too. I want a breakthrough today. I, also, you need something from your pastors. You don't got to strike us. You can just ask us. <laughs> Spoken like a true shepherd. 2 Samuel chapter 23. Let's look at verse 14. Come on, at that time, David was in the stronghold. Say stronghold. Stronghold. And the Philistine garrison was at Bethlehem. It's interesting that even today, there's a Philistine, I mean a Palestinian garrison at Bethlehem. Is there a difference? No, there's not a difference. David longed for water. Now, you guys know this story. Y'all are students, your disciples. It's easy to just read through these things and kind of miss the fact. Just longing for water. And he said, oh, that someone would get me a drink of water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem. A specific place in his mind there at Bethlehem. There in his own hometown. He knew it well. He could walk to it with his eyes closed. He knew exactly what he's... Oh, you know what would be great right now? I'm in the midst of war. You know what would be really, really great? God, just some water. But not from anywhere. I'm longing for a particular place where the water comes from. So there, the three mighty men broke through. Say broke through. Broke Broke through. The Philistine lines drew water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem and carried it back to David. But he refused to drink it. Instead, he poured it out before the Lord. Far be it from me, O Lord, to do this, he said. Is it not the blood of men who went at the risk of their own lives? And David would not drink it because of this deep relationship that he had with these three mighty men. When you think about the cost of the water of life, how can you not focus on that last statement? It's the cost of blood. You know, you don't have to be a Bible scholar to know what that's forecasting. In fact, the elements of this story are consistent with the last story when you think about it. The enemy is in Bethlehem. How about that? So is the water of life. Why do you think the enemy is standing between David and his men and the water of life? The enemy always positions himself between you and that which you need to sustain your spiritual life. He's fine with you going on day after day. He's not fine with you progressing in the kingdom day after day. So he puts garrisons between you and what you need. Bethlehem in that sense becomes a kind of gateway that was guarded by the enemy. And do you know what kind of men broke through? Mighty men. Valiant men. Men who took the, the word of the Lord at face value and said, I will not be held back from that which God is giving me. They knew that David longed for water. He was thirsty for the water of life. 
Do you have the kind of heart that says, I won't be held back from what I am longing for spiritually? See, because the phone will ring when you go to pray. Your relatives will stop by when it's time for your family Bible study. And any time it's difficult to get to church, you know why it's difficult to get to church. There is a garrison putting themselves between you and the life-saving water that you need. The king of Israel, he had such a relationship with these men that they were willing to get the waters of Bethlehem even at the cost of their lives. Are you willing to risk your life for what you need spiritually? You know, a wise man once said, he is no fool who gives up what he can't keep to gain that which he could never lose. He was speaking of the very waters of life. To lose this life and gain the next. You know, that's a trade I'm willing to make. Many Christians say they are, but you break an eyelash and you suffer spiritually. Can't make it to where you need to be. Can't do what you need to do. Man, when that thirst gets strong enough, you would fight a legion of men to get to it. I have been in a place without water. I know what it is like to be in the middle of a rainforest with no drinkable water. What it's like to be in the Sinai Desert or the area of northern Iraq with no water and have dysentery. We were thirsty enough to fight for water. How thirsty are you spiritually? Is there anybody in here that is thirsting for a deeper relationship with the Lord? Or should we be preaching somewhere else this morning or should we be preaching to you? Say, I'm thirsty. Remember that you said that because the God of Israel meets the thirst of his people. It just comes at the cost of blood. If you thirst for a deeper relationship, the good news today is that you can have that deeper relationship, but you got to want it. Ladies, do you want to be associated with a guy that only kind of sort of wants you? No, you really don't, do you? My little beautiful daughter on the front row sitting next to my Smoking hot wife on the front row. If you hadn't met Jennifer, she's in red and turning red up here today. Oh, I love her. You know, they're not satisfied to simply look okay. They want to know, do I look pretty? You know, I'm uncomfortable. Like, I've never told Matt he looks pretty in his life. I never have. Praise God. (laughs) He's a handsome man, but I, I don't tell him he looks pretty. Before my daughter was five years old, she had asked me 50,000 times, do I look pretty, daddy? You know, I had never understood how her spine moved like a cat. You know, do I, I don't get it. You're born with a deep need for someone to want to be in relationship with you. That's why the male goes first. That's why he's supposed to ask you out. That's why he's supposed to propose marriage. Leadership goes first. Well, Jesus has already gone. And if you want a deeper relationship with him, you have to close the remaining distance. You have to respond to what he's doing. You know the king thirsts for relationship with you. You have to act on that thirst. You have to move in faith. Do you want a deeper relationship? Are you thirsty? You know, as I read this passage, I can't help but see that there were three mighty men who broke through the Philistine lines. Mm. And went to go get living water for their king because their king longed for it. You know, that valiant aspect of these men is what we have decided to build the church of the living God upon. Yeah. 
That the kingdom of God is built upon a congregation of leaders that will step up and be the valiant men that the king so desires. That we are establishing these deep relationships because we all hunger and thirst for that living water. It is the only thing that can satisfy our souls. Amen. But it begins with a relationship with the king of kings. Amen. In that relationship with the king, it causes us to want to show the same courage as these valiant men. Yeah. This should inspire us to deepen our relationships. You know, when I look out, I see Justin Treaster. I see Daniel Cho. I see Assad. I see valiant men that God has placed within this church. And when I see you step up and be a valiant man that will risk your life to bring living water to those around you, you inspire me to be an even more valiant man. Amen. Come on, you know what it's like when you hear about a missions trip that's coming up and it's extremely dangerous to go on. What our heart's desire is, I don't want to let my brother go alone. I don't want to be left out of that challenge to be able to please the king by laying down my life to give somebody else living water. In this pursuit, we have an example before us in addition to the valiant brothers we have around us. And it's that of the king of kings. In Hebrews 2, it speaks of that he shared in our humanity. So that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of the death. And that is the devil. Come on, we have a king who has not only gone through the gates ahead of us, but he became just like one of us. So that he could include us in that same chain-breaking power. Their relationship with the king led them through enemy lines, drawing water at the gateway in Bethlehem. It would be again... Be the same gateway when heaven's waters were drawn for earthly kings and their men, requiring from all the cost of blood to drink of the water of life. Remember, they all longed for this. Are you longing this morning for water from heaven? Is your soul thirsting to go through the enemy lines and bring living water to the king and for those who belong to him? Amen. You have to forgive me this morning because I am longing for heavenly things. And I, honest to goodness, am distracted by the beauty of my wife sitting on the front row. And I don't want to put you all through that. I just want to tell you that when I think about that, I can't help but think about Ruth in the Bible. Last year, in December, we were talking about Ruth. That was what we were doing during Foundations. And Boaz's love for Ruth and Ruth's love for Boaz is a model for every couple in here. It's something that was born of God. It was manufactured by heaven. Turn with me to Ruth 2. We're going to begin reading in the ninth verse and see how they were drawn together. What it is that heaven wanted to accomplish on the earth. Hey husbands, look at your wife and say we were drawn together for a reason. We were drawn together for a reason, Cassidy. <laughs> Are you in Ruth 2 9? Yes. Say thirsty when you're there. Thirsty. Where are the rest of you? You need help finding Ruth. Yes. Come on now, say thirsty when you're there. Thirsty. Ruth 2 9. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the girls. I have told the men not to touch you. And whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. This is Boaz speaking to Ruth. They're about to have a breakthrough. And look at at how God set this up. The God of Israel had a plan. And it was based on Ruth's thirst 
for life-giving water. It was also based on Boaz's innate need to protect, provide, and be a priest to Ruth. God knew how they were built. And he knew that if he put them in the right setting, that they would be united for an eternity. Come on now. There's something magical that happens when there is the right spiritual thirst and the right desire to meet that need. The Lord of glory was drawing them into relationship. Her longing and his desire to provide for her with life-saving water became a kind of gateway right there in Bethlehem, the same town that David was from. A gateway where breakthrough in their relationship could happen. One that would bless us all. Before we get into talking about their offspring, now might be a time to think about the deserts that we've been in. If your relationship is in a desert, ask yourself if you're hungry for the right things. Ask yourself if you're thirsting for the right things. Wives, do you thirst for your husband to truly lead spiritually? Husbands, is it your strongest desire to hear from God, to reach into the heavens and provide something from God for your wife? That's one way to get out of a desert is to return to the situation that is supposed to unite you. God brought these two people together relationship. There was a breakthrough in the gateway at Bethlehem. Life-giving water formed their relationship and their offspring become something of legend that we're going to read about. Come on, just think about it, church. How many times have your relationships been deepened because someone else brought you heaven's life-giving water? Just think about it. There shouldn't be a person in here who hasn't had that experience where you were down, where you were lonely, and someone else, you saw their passion, you saw what they were doing, and it inspired you. It brought heaven's water to you in your desert. This passage shows the depth of importance of our relationships. Think about the times that you, I mean, I don't mean you collectively. I don't mean y'all. I mean you personally have experienced breakthrough because someone else was spiritually thirsty. And then you met them. In Hosea chapter 10, you don't have to turn there. It says to break up. Your unplowed ground. Amen. Don't, don't worry about breaking up somebody else's unplowed ground. You've got unplowed ground in you. It is time to seek the Lord until he comes. Man, we've all played hide and seek and just give up, given up too quickly. Hi, I'm just not even worried. I used to do that as a kid. I'd be like, yeah, I'm not interested in finding you. Some poor little friend was sitting in the closet for just forever. I'm playing. I'm good. The Bible says in Hosea to break up your unplowed ground and to seek the Lord until he actually comes. Let there be a longing in your heart that says it's not enough for me to come to church and only get what someone else has. Lord, I need that deep. I need that relationship with you. Lord, I need that breakthrough. I need that water from heaven. I've got to have that today and that he will shower his righteousness upon us. Man, we look at difficulty sometimes as a sign that God has ignored us. That he's neglected us, that he's forsaken us, that he's forgotten us. What if this being in a dry place, in those deserts of those feelings, what if it's to try to break up our unplowed ground? What if it's trying to break through that unplowed ground that has been so hardened from the lack of heaven's rain? 
This acts as a gateway for us to be in a right relationship with the Lord and receive the very water of heaven. Now, we could have come here today and decided to do you a nice little pat message that is based on the season that we're in. What you see in your pastor is that we are longing for heavenly water. That we are longing, Lord, if you, since you in fact came to this earth as a gateway, we want that water that you brought. Lord, we want your presence. We want to break up our unplowed ground today. But what does this water from heaven look like? If, since you're in Ruth, turn to Ruth chapter four. Ruth chapter four and verse 11. Then the elders and all those at the gate said, we are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah. Yeah. Yeah, in case you forgot, we're talking about Israeli people here. Amen. May the woman who is coming to your home by, be like Rachel and Leah, who together built up. Somebody say built up. Built up. The very house of Israel. Man, that is my heart today that we might build up the very house of Israel that they were trying to build up. May you have standing in Ephrath and be famous in Bethlehem. Through the offspring the Lord gives you by this young woman. May your family be like that of Perez. You remember what Perez means, don't you? Break out. It's to break out. Whom Tabor, Tamor bore to Judah. What does water look like? Water from heaven looks like the godly offspring that come from our relationship. It's the idea that our relationships open this gateway to his water. And it's the godly offspring that's produced from these kind of breakthroughs. Amen. Come on, who in this room wants to have godly offspring? Who wants to leave a legacy of righteousness for generations behind them? Hallelujah. One thing we want to look at about Ruth is that she was a victor. She was not a victim. She was a Moabitess. She was a Canaanite woman. She could have just pitied herself literally to death. And said that, you know what, it was because of my ethnic heritage. It was because of my color of my skin. Maybe even my accent that I really couldn't get included into the nation of Israel. But the ground of her, her heart was already plowed up with humility. Yeah. It had been ridden of pride and self-preservation. And she threw her feet at, she threw herself at the feet of Naomi. She threw herself at the feet of Boaz. Longing for that living water that would resurrect her from a state of death. You know, she had no husband. She had no God. She had no hope and no future. Much like some of you in this very room. That you're in the same state that she was. But your heart is getting harder. It's not getting softer. It's not being plowed up by even this word. What should happen is that you take the title and definition of who you are that you've assigned to yourself. You know, in the kingdom of God, there's no such thing as a white Christian, a black Christian, an Asian Christian. We are Christians first and foremost that is made up of the multicultural people of God. Amen. Ruth did that exact same thing. She took her titles that were inherited to her and she laid them at the feet of the living God. And she received an entirely new heritage to carry on. Her longing for water is about to bring her in relationship with God and his people. The ones who could meet her every need. Her desperation for breakthrough became a gateway for the kingdom of heaven to be brought about through her actions. 
Isn't it extraordinary that we are again in Bethlehem drawing these same life-giving waters? Again, connecting to the ancestry of David that would come through Ruth, starting with Perez. Extraordinary breakthrough is what happens when you're in the right kind of relationships. Amen. You know what drives you to a right relationship? A life like Ruth's, though. She'd experienced loss. She'd come from the literal deserts of Moab. She became humble enough to listen to her older Jewish mother-in-law, who could instruct a young Moabitess in the ways of the Lord. She became humble enough to obey Naomi's counsel, even when there was no clear way you could see that it made sense. Naomi didn't have it all together any more than the natural nation of Israel has it all together now. But her instruction was still sound. And it turns out that this young Moabitess ends up being such a part of God's plan that it provides for Naomi's salvation too. Now, what do you think that that has to do with? We will see Israel saved. Yes. Yes. Before we go down the road of national destinies, I'm more concerned with personal relationships in here. There is a Hebrew prophet named Micah. And in Micah chapter 1, please turn there. What we're going to find is instruction from him that we need to listen to. It is so easy to think that the Lord either wants to bless you only or he wants to bring judgment in your life only and think about the Lord in those kind of polemics. The truth is, is that we're in a relationship with the Lord. And if the soil of your heart is hard, he will do what it takes to break it up. If your heart is already broken up, he will do what it takes to put it back together as a new creation. The God of all comfort comes to afflict the comfortable, but he comes to comfort the afflicted. He knows exactly what you need. He has the right word for you. He has the right live, right life-giving water for you. Sometimes pain causes us to see things only in a certain light. Anybody ever talk to an offended brother? Yes. Man, where have the rest of you been hiding that there are no offended brothers? Because I'm going with you. Well, then there would be an offended brother. Um, The Proverbs say that an offended brother is more unyielding than a fortified city. I mean, I don't know if you know what it's like. I I suspect that you do. Let's just say for a moment that Gabe and Abby are fighting. Those are my son and daughter, a couple of five. And, uh, And Gabe's trying to reconcile. And he says, well, that shirt looks nice. Oh, you didn't like the other shirt I was wearing? Have you ever tried to say something nice? And because of the hardness of... Why are y'all laughing back there? Because of the hardness of a heart, they can't hear it. They hear what they want to. Have you ever been that other person? See, God knows what it takes to get your heart into a position for you to thirst for the substance of heaven. He knows what it takes and He's loving enough to get you there. Are you in Micah 1? In Micah 1, look at the third verse. Look, the Lord is coming from his dwelling place. Man, that's good news. The Lord is coming. It's Christmas time. It's the wrong time of year. It's all kind of things we're not going to talk about. And what people are thinking about right now, even secular people, is that this is the time of the year that God gave us his son, right? Yes. The Lord is coming. He comes down and treads the high places of the earth. 
The mountains melt beneath him and the valleys split apart like wax before the fire. Suddenly this doesn't sound like eight pound, seven ounce golden diaper baby Jesus, does it? (laughs) All, All of the sudden we're like, but I thought this was the time of joy. Well, it's the time of joy for men of goodwill. It's not the time of joy for men that are not of goodwill. I want you to get this next part, though, because it's easy to read what I'm saying is all judgment or all blessing. And it's neither. Look at the next phrase. Like water rushing down a slope. All this is because of Jacob's transgression. Because of the sins of the house of Israel. What is Jacob's transgression? Is it not Samaria? What is Judah's high place? Is it not Jerusalem? Think on this for a second. The people of God are again in a bad situation. This time the desert is a desert spiritually because of religious compromise. And it would be easy to read this passage as God's going to show up and beat them up. But that's not what it actually says. It says like water rushing down a slope. Do you remember that in Genesis 7.15 God promised to never destroy the earth again by water? Do you remember that? The very rainbow that has been monopolized by a group of perverts actually is a promise from God that He will not destroy the earth again by water. He's not talking about coming to destroy Israel. He's talking about coming to purify Israel. Now, when you sin, you can be scared. Your hard heart, sin hardens the heart. It can make you scared to meet with the Lord. Understand, He is not coming to burn you. He is not coming to judge you. He is coming to purify you. And the same fire that purifies will burn those that will not be purified. See, the, the thing is, is God is in relationship with His people. A breakthrough is about to come. Man, what does that feel like? To be on the edge of a breakthrough. Anybody in here sense something is about to happen? We have an expectancy for something to happen. If you walked in here hoping to just endure a service, I want you to understand that's not enough for us. That's not enough for the king. He's worth more than that. We don't do polite religious services. We don't do that because you already have so many out there that are willing to pimp themselves out in that way. All we want to do is see you grow in the presence of God. Are you hungry for a breakthrough? Yes. The coming of the Lord will be like water rushing down a slope. The king is about to walk through the ancient gateway of Bethlehem from heaven to earth because he's coming to purify his people. He's coming at their hour of greatest need. This was to fulfill what was said through Zephaniah in the third chapter. He said to Zephaniah, I will purify my people. They will stand shoulder to shoulder with me. See, these passages are not about judgment. God does not just want to burn you. He could have done that a long time ago. Do you know what He wants to do? He wants to purify you. He wants to be in relationship with you. He wants to bring you a breakthrough from heaven. Come on, did you hear that? The Lord wants to bring breakthrough from heaven. Turn to Micah chapter 2, verse 13. Look at what it says here. One who breaks open the way will go before them. They will break through the gate and go out. Yes. It takes someone to go and break through before you that you might also be able to break through. This is what we are giving today. This is what we are preaching today. The hope that is found in Christ that he went and broke through ahead of before us. 
and that we can break through as well. Their king will pass through before them. Mm. The Lord at their head, he is going to lead us in triumphant procession. You know, this sounds exactly like a passage in 2 Samuel chapter 5. You don't have to turn there. It is talking about David defeating the Philistines. There we are back to the Philistines. Yeah. There we are back to this area in Bethlehem. As waters break out, the Lord has broken out against my enemies before me. Now, sometimes we think about that. The enemies are just right there in front of us. It means that he broke out and the Lord was bringing victory before him. He was stepping through that there is victory before us. This idea that, that what, of what Pastor Eric just mentioned, that God isn't coming to judge. He's coming to meet their need for heavenly water. He's going to show them how to break through, how to get to the gateway that he has in fact already provided. And can you think all the way back to the Exodus? It's like he had a highway prepared for them through the waters that no one knew about. Before human beings could know about it, you think the water just separated? The Lord already had a pathway marked out for them before the foundation of the world. He has got a pathway for you. He has got a gateway for you today. To be able to get in right relationship with the Lord. The scriptures continue and they tell us exactly where it's going to happen as well. Let's look at Micah 5 and see exactly where that's at. Starting in verse 2. Say thirst when you're there. There we go. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah. We're here again at the very town that we have connected from earlier on in the message. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over who? Ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. Therefore, Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor gives birth. Is there water involved in labor? Is there breakthrough involved in labor? Is there a relationship involved in labor? Yes. This I don't personally know for my own body, but I've heard it, you know, yeah, you guys are saying yes. And the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock. Everybody say amen to that. Amen. In the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth. And he will be their peace. The there in that statement is the nation of Israel. This is a promise made directly for them. My brothers have been talking about relationships. And this passage tells us that a Messiah is coming and will be a ruler over Israel. We also have a relationship with that as well. As grafted in Gentiles, we participate with that relationship with Messiah, but also with the nation of Israel. Don't we see also in this passage that's from origins from old, from ancient times? Come on, this is because it's a divine establishment of as a ruler over Israel. It's a divine order and kingdom that is coming down on earth. He has come or is coming to break through the gateway from heaven to earth. This time, heavenly water is going to come through the birth of a supernatural son who shepherds his brothers and defeats his enemies. Amen. Do you want to see the enemies of God defeated? Yes. yes. In your own life, personally, do you want to see them put underfoot, or would you rather fight with your wife about the same thing every year for the rest of your existence? Wow. See, it's time to win. Yeah. 
I have seen people filled with the Holy Ghost on every continent except Antarctica and if you count Australia, which I don't. (laughs) I've seen the enemies of God fall. And I want to tell you, every people on the planet can be touched by the Lord of heaven because he made them and he cares for them. He started with Israel and his eye has always been on the whole world. But what he started in Israel, he will finish in Israel. This message begins in Bethlehem. It's going to finish in Bethlehem. We began singing a song today during worship. I wasn't sure we were going to do it, but it was beautiful. It's open up the gates. I won't attempt to sing it, but it's better than the Jimi Hendrix song that's been going through my mind. (laughs) It's about a king walking through the gates. That's what David wrote the psalm about in 24. That happened in a physical place on the globe. And it can happen here for you spiritually today. The Lord is able to walk through the gates of your heart. Fill your spirit in a way that overflows to everyone around you. We've covered three basic principles from the Older Testament so far. We've talked about Israel's stricken rock that can only be spoken to. That was to teach you that you're in right relationship with the Lord if you will ask Him for what you need. He knows it. You're going to have to ask Him. Next came the King of Israel longing for water in Bethlehem at the cost of of blood. That's because the breakthrough that you need came at the cost of his blood. This relationship was not free. It sets you free, but it was not free. Then we looked at the promise of Micah that the Lord would break through and lead us. And that promise said it would happen in Bethlehem. God wanted to focus our eyes on Bethlehem for a reason. He wanted us to learn from the geography of Israel a lesson that you can use right here in your own geography. Are you ready to get to the familiar part of the story? The part where we have children walk out dressed like angels and some like shepherds. And this year in our little Christmas play, we had an angelic defection. About a third of them ran off. We've been talking to their parents, you know. No exorcisms have been performed yet. Let's go to Luke 2. Somebody say it's Christmas. It's Christmas. And I'm thirsty. And I'm thirsty. That's not for your uncle's eggnog. It's for something that will flow from your father's throne. Amen. Luke 2. We're going to begin in verse 4. Thirsty. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee of Judea. To Bethlehem, the town of David. Do you hear how the writer is reminding you whose town this is? That's so that you will associate it with the events we've read about. Because he belonged to the house in the line of David. Why is that so important? Because God promised that this breakthrough would come through a specific family line and it could come through no other. Those family lines still have promises, just like you have promises. He went there to register with Mary who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. Pledged to be married and expecting a child is a difficult position to be in, isn't it? (laughs) While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger. And there was no room for them in the inn. This sounds like such a sweet little story that you've seen painted in nativity sets so much. But there's real human cost here. 
There's real divine intervention here. These relationships were difficult. You know, to be pregnant and not yet married was a difficult thing. It wasn't just difficult for Mary. It was difficult for Joseph. In fact, it took angelic intervention for them to be willing to do this. What do we say about plowing up the ground in our hearts? But when you do, when you enter those difficult crushing places, heaven will answer you. Breakthrough will come. Water will come to you. You know, there's misconceptions about Jesus. Big ones. There were misconceptions in the first century and there's misconceptions now. Right now, this time of year, people gather around, they give gifts, they put an evergreen tree in their house, and all kind of other practices that I am neither for nor against. I I feel a little bit like I do about Cinco de Mayo. It's celebrating something that just doesn't relate to me very much. So how could that be so? This is Jesus' birthday. Well, it's not. But if you're going to celebrate it, kind of like my Hispanic friends, I'll, I'll celebrate with you. You know, I mean, it's, it's not a problem. Understand there have always been misconceptions, though. When I say Jesus of, what do you want to fill that in with? Nazareth. Nazareth. Jesus of Nazareth. Do you know even the demons called him Jesus of Nazareth? But he's not of Nazareth. He, he was born in Bethlehem. There were misconceptions in the first century. They argue about it in the Gospel of John. Hey, look into it. The Messiah has to come from the city of David. He's from Nazareth. They didn't understand then either. There have always been misconceptions about this. The ancient gateway, though, would be Bethlehem. And it was Bethlehem where Jesus was born. This is literally where the life-giving water of heaven broke through Mary's womb. And it produced the Savior of Israel and the Savior of the whole world. Get this. When her water broke, so did the gates of hell. Heaven has now broken through hell's shroud over the earth. This young lady became a gateway in her own body to the Savior of the world. How beautiful is that? You know how this story goes. God longed to be in relationship with His people. But He needed a valiant person through whom the breakthrough could come. And he found it in a descendant of David, a young girl, probably 14 to 16 years old. Her body became the gateway that brought life-giving water to all of mankind. Listen, when you are thirsty for something from heaven, heaven will meet you on the earth. And it begins to break down hell's gates that have tried to surround your life. The idea that you separate yourself from the people of God to hear from God is patently absurd. The idea that you move away from others who are in fellowship with the Lord so that you can get free from hell's tentacles is diseased, deceptive thinking. The thing that we do is we push closer to the Lord and we do it together. And when a man or woman gets hungry, thirsty because of their relationship with the Lord... Then a gateway opens and heaven begins to pour into that person's life. I want to say it again. When Mary's water broke, so did the gates of hell. Are you waiting for a breakthrough from heaven? Are you waiting for heaven to wash hell out of your life? If you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you will be. Say will be. Will be. Filled. It's a promise from Jesus. 
It's, it's in the red letters in the first sermon that he preaches. If you hunger and thirst, he will meet you. That breakthrough that happened in Bethlehem can happen right here today. Amen. We talked earlier about valiant men who did daring deeds for their king. I can't help but think that Mary was an incredibly valiant person here in this story. The idea of being somewhere between 14 and 16, having an immaculate conception, carrying the Messiah. This is incredible. Look down at verse uh, chapter 2 of Luke, verse 25. We're going to find out about another valiant man here, a man named Simeon. Verse 25 says this, Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting You know, pastors, you can almost say that he was longing for something. Oh, amen. He was longing for the consolation of Israel. He was waiting for some type of breakthrough to come. My God, we are waiting for a breakthrough in this place. I'm looking at some of you and I know, I know what you're praying for. I know that you're praying for breakthrough. I know that you're longing for it just like Simeon was longing to see the consolation of Israel. His heart was burdened for his people. The Holy Spirit was upon him. You have a chance today, folks. You have a chance to have the Holy Spirit come upon you. Today. It has been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. He was moved by the Spirit. What a faithful God that we have. We have so much of the world that's filled with dead religion. Never moved in their soul. Maybe possibly moved slightly in their intellect. Perhaps they're moved in their humor to laugh just a little bit. But they are never moved by the Spirit. What you experienced in our worship today was being, you had an opportunity to be moved by the Spirit. What you're feeling during this sermon is that you're having an opportunity to be moved by the Spirit. The way we're going to end our time today is that you're going to have an opportunity to be moved just like Simeon by the Spirit. He went into the temple courts when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law had required. Wow. Jesus followed exactly what the custom of the Israeli law prescribed. Simeon took him into his arms and praised God. Everybody say, praise God. Praise God. Saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation. I had once heard about it, but now my eyes have seen it, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. Wow. The child's father and mother marveled. Can you say marveled? Marvel. This is, they're marveling at what Simeon has just said. Can you just think about that for a second? These were people that angels of the Lord came and spoke to them. And they are marveling what that must have been like. They are now marveling at these words that remind them from a man who was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Like Romans 8, where the entire creation is longing, it's groaning, it's longing for an eager expectation of this Messiah to be unleashed fully on the world. They marveled at what was said. Then Simeon blessed them. I want to remind you that the words that I'm about to read are a blessing from Simeon. I never caught this before as many times as I've read this story. 
He praised God by what he said the few verses before. And now he's about to bless them. And listen to how he blesses them. This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel. Wow. And to be a sign that will be spoken against. <laughs> Blessings to you guys. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Blessing. This is going to cause people to fall and to rise closer to him. This is going to be a sign that will be spoken against. Do you feel blessed when someone brings you that kind of a word? This is what Simeon has done. And a sign to be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And a sword will pierce your own soul too. Wow. It is always required to have blood in this sacrifice. If you want the waters of heaven, it is going to cost your very life. I'm reminded of Deuteronomy 5.29. Oh, that they would be inclined to fear me and to obey my commands. God, that we would hear your voice. That we would long for you today. See, the Israelites were in a desert. (laughs) They were in a desert. They felt like they were just back in the desert that we read about in Numbers 20. Simeon was unable to sustain spiritual life. He is longing for something. But they were in a relationship with the Lord but they were waiting on their breakthrough. When would the life-giving water from heaven come and be that gateway that they needed? This idea of falling and rising of many. Man, this is a great time of the year for you to reveal what your heart really is about the Lord. Do you, do you really want water from heaven today? Are we just thinking about unwrapping the next gift that's under a tree? I want the water from heaven today. Let's look at this a little further in verse 35. So that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Like Pastor Wade was saying, in less than 48 hours from now, living rooms across the nation will have wrapping paper and boxes strewn across it. Gifts will be open and there will be revelation of what has been concealed for whatever number of of days prior to that. And the real thing that's going to be revealed is the hearts of the gift givers and those who have received it. Well, you've been one of those that you've seen a present under a tree and you've been imagining exactly what was inside of that box. And that day comes and you're there Christmas morning, you open it up and it is completely not what you anticipated for those days prior to that. At the age of seven, I got this crazy looking hat with lights on it and a battery plugged in the back. I was anticipating something completely different from one of my family members. I sat there and pouted and cried and threw a fit. What was really inside of my heart came forth. Now, whenever God begins to give you bread from heaven, he gives you that water of life, that breakthrough, how does your heart really respond? Because I know over the course of 20 or more years that we've been serving the Lord, I've seen those come in to the kingdom of God. They've become transformed from being a slave to being a son. And the whole time they've had an anticipation of receiving this gift from God. But once they received that gift, they threw away the very sonship that brought them to the point of receiving that gift. Come on, this has been singles longing to be married and once they were finally married they abandoned the covenant with the king of kings that brought them to the point they could be married we have to guard our hearts 
But really, nothing judges the thoughts and attitudes of our hearts more than how we relate to the gateway, to that standard of righteousness of God's word. It gives credence to what status and, and position our relationship with the living God is in. And it requires a breakthrough of our anticipations of a gift and realize that what he is truly trying to give us every time is life-giving water. Jesus, in the same way, that standard, is the living Torah. He judges the thoughts and attitudes of every person's heart. Even at his birth, he is asking the hearts of men, who do you say that I am? Challenging their embedded assumptions. Even much more, the geography of Israel continues to instruct us. The events that happen at Bethlehem over and over again are like the law. It's revealing the hearts of all men. Man, that the Spirit of God would lay open our hearts. I often in my own life have been deceived about what was actually in my heart. When somebody walks up to you and says, Hey man, how are you doing? What is your response? Agree. Yeah. Without thought, we lie so easily to ourselves and to the other person. You didn't stop to think about how you were actually doing. You just train yourself to present that everything's okay. You know, it doesn't take long for Christianity to become like that. That you just train yourself to act a certain way. That's not what Christianity is about. It's about a very revolution inside of your soul. Not a long time ago at some past event, an ongoing revolution, one that never stops. It actually is a transfiguration that is happening. A gate swings in two directions. He is for the rising and the falling of many and a sign that people will speak against. The reason that people speak against is nobody likes that the truth about this breakthrough from heaven is that not everybody wants it. And most who say they want it don't actually want to do anything to get it. So they fall and they do not rise. You know, every relationship is that way. You're never in a stagnant place in a relationship. I know that you think that you are. You're like, we're just kind of treading water. We're, we're, we're okay. No, you are either rising towards the heights of the kingdom or you are falling in your relationship. There is no neutral position for you to camp out in. The kingdom is moving forward and you're either moving forward with it or you are falling behind in your relationships. I want to talk to you about a way to fix that. Because as far back as Jacob in Genesis 28, he found something that he called the gate of heaven at Bethel. Jesus stood up and said, I am the gate. There is something to the breakthrough of water from heaven dealing with this gate that we're trying to get at. Turn with me to Revelation 7. When you get there, yell out there. There. In Revelation 7, slide your finger down to the 17th verse. Now, all conventional wisdom says that we have exhausted you. We've been preaching for one hour and two minutes. And America's pastors think so little of their congregations that they believe that you can watch all three Lord of the Ring movies. You can watch all the Star Wars movies. You can watch Titanic. You can watch an entire season of 24 in one sitting, but you can't listen to Jesus for more than 58 minutes from bell to bell, or you will melt like some kind of little sugared candy. 
but thirsty people. They'll wait in line for hours for water. We want you to get what heaven has for you today. We want that. We want that worse than anything. You have no idea the trials that we walk through just to be here and do this. You know, this is not something that is making us rich. We wouldn't let it. This church has given away over a million dollars in a decade. Think on that for a minute. Look around you. Okay? You're not going to see big gold thrones or fancy cars outside. That's not who we are. We value what God is giving men from heaven. We are not looking for what we can receive from you. We are looking to give you something. That's why we're speaking to you today. Do I have your whole attention? Yes. Revelation 7.17 For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Think through this for a minute. He is your shepherd. You're in relationship with Him. He wants you to have a breakthrough. His body is the very gateway that will lead you to springs of life. Do you remember that He said in John 7.37, If any man thirst, let him come and drink of Me. By this He meant the Spirit. This was not an Episcopalian waving of the cross and saying receive the Spirit. Something happened when they received the Spirit. They were fundamentally empowered. They were clothed with something heavenly while standing on the earth. Do you yearn for something heavenly? Yes. Jesus speaking to the woman at the well, He looked right at her and said, If you drink this water, you'll never thirst again. There is something that will sustain you from heaven. If you thirst for it, He will give that to you. Consider what Revelation says here though. It says, For the Lamb at the center of the throne. He's not off to the side of it. He's not on some part of it. He is in the center. Let me ask you, is the Lamb the center of the throne of your life? Is He a part of your life? Or is He your whole life? He spoke to me for less than 10 seconds in 1993, and it has determined the entire course of my life. I have no patience for mere church attendance. That's not who I am. I have no desire for some kind of Christian popularity contest. What we're looking for is the Lamb. To be the center at the cost of His blood and the promise of yours. The center of your life. Is He directing your marriage or are you directing your marriage? Is He directing the way you raise your children? Or are you directing the way that you raise your children? Is He choosing your career path? Is He choosing their career path? See, He's the shepherd of those who will be shepherded by Him. And they will rise. When He shepherds you, you will rise. When He shepherds you, you will rise in this life and you will rise in the next life. But if you will not be shepherded by the King of Kings, then He is a gateway. He is a pendulum, a fulcrum. And your breakthrough comes when you are broken and burned. He doesn't want that. I don't want that. We're not just preaching about salvation. We're preaching about what happens when you are saved. So you say, Pastor, I was saved at eight years old. Great. What's happened since then? 
You setting the world on fire for Jesus? Is there disciples surrounding you? Are you being transformed continually? Are you telling me that you got some kind of USDA stamp as a Christian? Because when He's the center of all you are and you thirst for Him, He fills you and He flows out of you. Would the people sitting around you say that He's flowing out of you like living water? Because that's what we're talking... Don't settle for less. Don't settle for less. So many people find what they think is an easier way. No, it's always been at the cost of men's lives. Look, our whole hope as we go to maybe the best scripture that you could ever read on a Christmas, it'd be in Hebrews 10. Our whole hope is that the blood of Jesus puts you in right standing so that you can receive the anointing and the empowerment of Jesus. That you can drink from the spring of living water so that you can become a spring of living water. He's a gateway that's leading you to something so that you can become a gateway leading others to it. We want you to have breakthrough and we want you to lead others into breakthrough. Amen. We genuinely want to see shalom on the earth in goodwill towards men. But it will not come through a mamby-pamby, wimpy gospel. It won't come through singing Christmas trees and bringing barnyard animals in here to entertain people. You know, we don't need a camel in here today. We need the Almighty Holy Ghost. We're not here as paid entertainers. We're here to provoke your conscience, to try to bring you into a collision with the will of God so that perhaps some of you would be spurred on to better living. That's what we're here for. Are you in Hebrews? Chapter 10, verse 19. It says this. Therefore, brothers, what a beautiful sign of relationship. Since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. Do you have that confidence today? Yes. By the blood of Jesus. By a new and a living way open for us through the curtain that is his body. That gateway that was opened up for us that pastor has been speaking about. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw Near. Let us draw near. Do you need breakthrough today? It's going to happen by you drawing near to the Lord. Now I have to be honest with you. That breakthrough always comes by us getting connected and drawing near to the Lord. If I'm really honest with you today, if I'm honest with my brother standing here on the stage, when I am not drawing near to the Lord, I get more frustrated much more quickly. I get discouraged, I get angry, I get self-entitled and self-righteous. I get so many wrong things when I am not near the Lord. Would you draw near to Him today? Rick and Susan, I know that the Lord is ready for breakthrough in your lives. Yeah. As you draw near. Yeah. Andres and Joanna, I'm looking at you and knowing that the Lord has great breakthrough in your life that are in the days ahead as you draw near. Yeah. Thinking about the Rayosaurus. God, what breakthrough lies before you as you continue to draw near. Assad and Kayla. Draw near to him that you might receive the breakthrough that you need. Mario and Alicia. Such breakthroughs in the days ahead. Draw near to him. 
Let us, somebody say us. us, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Mm. God, can you feel that washing water that's beginning to flow in this place even now? Water doesn't just cleanse you, it brings you life. Yeah. You're made up primarily of water. When we're saying, Lord, come and cleanse us, come and pour your water upon us. We're saying, come and revive us, come and bring us to life, come and resurrect us, God. We want to draw near to you, but we have to have your very spirit at work. Come on, saints, do you need heaven's water today? The very rain of heaven. There are so many things that we want to share with you and the reality is that you can only hear so much. So we want to bring it to a laser point right now. Is that okay with you? You ever heard a doctor trying to kind of build up to what he wants to tell you and then eventually just rips off the band-aid? You know, there are some things that are hard to say to people. What we have to say to you is nothing but good news here. Zechariah 10.1 says, ask the Lord for rain in the springtime. He gives showers of rain to men. We've been talking about water from heaven breaking through an ancient gateway for a people that are in relationship with Him. 1 Corinthians 12 says, we were baptized into one spirit and we were given one spirit to drink. All of these things are are pointing to the heavenly water that can be yours. Jeremiah 14.22 is... Amazing. Do any of the worthless idols of the nations bring rain? Do the skies themselves send down showers? No. It is the Lord our God. Therefore, our hope is in you. For you are the one who does all this. Listen, that's where my hope is. None of these men, I, we don't have anything that you need. We've been given something. It's been given to us what you need. Job 14 is the last scripture that I want to turn to as I talk to you about what the Lord is doing in our midst on this Christmas. Job 14, say there when you were there. Verse 7. At least there is hope for a tree. If it is cut down... It will sprout again, and its new shoots will not fail. I didn't bring you here to talk to you about horticulture. I'm sometimes surprised at the things the Bible comments on, the feelings of a bird, the yearnings of a donkey. All kind of things are in the Bible that you just wouldn't have expected. Why we're talking about trees, I don't know. But I do know what it is to be without hope. I know what it is to have despair cover you like a blanket, and the one thought that you can't get past is nothing will ever change. No matter what I try, I can't do it. 
No matter what I do, this will not get better. I'm telling you, you need a breakthrough that comes from the heavens. You need water that comes from the heavens. It is the Lord that sends His rain. And when He rains on you, it will be springtime. Life will come forward, but you got to speak to Him. you got to ask Him. You can't sit back passively and say, if the Lord wants it done, it'll be done. You have to ask Him. You have to speak to the rock. you got to ask Him, saints. The eighth verse says its roots may grow old in the ground and its stump die in the soil. That's pretty dead. Yet at the scent of water, it will bud and put forth shoots like a plant. Can you smell the scent of heaven's life giving water in here? Even as Mary's time came as she got close to Bethlehem, has your time come right now to birth something new that is in you? Jesus has thrown open a gateway. Heaven has broken through to the earth. We are in a relationship with Israel's God. And He wants you to have His life-giving water that came at the cost of His blood. Do you want Him? When Mary's water broke, it broke down the hellish gates that have barred you in. Is there a barrier in your life you've not been able to cross? A sin that you've not been able to put down. Something habitual that has caused you to live in fear of being in the presence of God. Because heaven will break through and break those bronze bronze gates down. The Lord wants to help His people. I can say that looking around and seeing from toddlers to grandfathers. When I think of the Christmas story, I don't think of fat guys in red suits at all. I think of the way that the Spirit of God moved on Elizabeth. She was old, but she gave birth to John the Baptist. I think of the way the Spirit of God moved on Mary. She was young, a preteen or early teen, and the Spirit of God still broke open the waters of heaven for her. I think of Simeon. He was a man and a very old man, near death. And heaven still broke open in his life and he gave out life-giving prophecy. You think of Anna, a a grandmother-like old woman. And the, the kingdom of heaven still broke through in her life. If you're wondering in here, is that for someone else or the Lord only does that for a select group of people... Understand that even an infant in the womb can feel the presence of God. So how do we know that? We know that because when Mary walked in the presence of Elizabeth, John the Baptist leapt inside of her. Is something beginning to want to respond inside of you? Have you held it back for so long that you just don't know what will happen if you're actually transparent, actually honest, because I want to tell you what will happen. Breakthrough will happen. Heaven will meet the faithful man on the earth right here. You will be watered from on high and new growth will break through. You can be baptized in God's spirit today. You can be clothed with power from on high today. Right now, God will meet the thirsty person. He promised it. He promised it. The question really is, Would you rather a gift under a tree or a gift that came from the heavens designed for you? 
We can run about our season and we can blame the season on Jesus if it makes you feel better to do it. We're doing all this materialism to honor Jesus. We've incorporated all these pagan things to honor Jesus. Okay. What are you going to do in this moment to honor Jesus? See, he is already enthroned. He is already at the cost of his life made this available to you. Think about how old you are. Think about how long you've lived without the full measure of all that God would have for you and ask yourself, can you really stand back one more day? Can you really do that? See, I'm a pastor and I need breakthrough. It's easy to get discouraged. It's easy to begin to look at life a little skeptically. That's why we need breakthrough from heaven so that we literally have a renewal of our heavenly born-again experience. I'm not saying, are there some of you? I know for sure. It's a gift God's given me. I can actually call you out. But heaven's already doing that. In just a second, we're going to stand to our feet. There are a couple things that you could do. When we stand to our feet, we could have every head bowed, every eye closed. We could say, if, if you feel like heaven's calling you, then please raise one of your fingers. But that's about how I feel about that. There's no room in the kingdom for cowards. The first thing that you have to come to grips with is that Jesus died openly, publicly, half naked before the whole world. There's no such thing as a private profession of faith. There's no such thing as that. He won't even accept it. The kingdom is for those who stand by him in his tribes. So we're not going to ask everybody to close their eyes and bow their heads. What we're going to say is when we stand to our feet, if you have to have breakthrough, if this moment you have to drink from heaven, you don't wait and look to see what somebody else is doing. Because this is not about them. Very personally, it's about you today. Because we designed this message not for some crowd somewhere, for you. Because we believe God told us to. This is a very personal invitation. And the Holy Ghost might take it personally if you don't respond to what He's telling you. I can't know exactly how He's told you to respond. What I can do is say that every revelation of God demands a response, though. Have you let something steal your joy? Is hell squeezing your joy so that you're a Christian, but trauma has kept you from being a spring of living water to others? Are you sitting in here right now hoping that your relationship with someone will change, but pride has trapped you? Just hellish pride so that you cannot humble yourself and do the hard thing that God requires. What has barred you in? Are you beating your head against a rock when all you have to do is speak to Him? Are you scared of judgment when the only thing the presence of God wants to do is purify you? What holds you back? We're going to come to our feet. And when we do, 
The distance between you and an altar is to close the distance between you and God. It's an act of faith. And it's only as good as what you do when you get up from that altar. But if you make good on the vows that you make at the altar when you walk out of the room, you mark my words. Where faithfulness springs up from the earth, righteousness rains down. There is a scent of rain in this room. Because heaven wants to rain on the souls of the people that are in this room. He wants you to have life-giving water. He wants it so much that He gave His blood for you. Would you stand to your feet? Father, we give you this time. Holy Spirit, you are the great evangelist. You tell your people what they must do. Lord, will you meet us from heaven? Will you meet with us right here? Mighty God, will you reign upon us? Come and break through our weakness.